that Joshua had a Moses. The apostles had Jesus. Children have a dad, have a mom. Timothy had a Paul. Spiritual men in the church are to have a pastor. Godly young men are to have older men. Young ladies are to have older young ladies or older ladies. I've often heard older people say, the younger generation, younger generation just isn't what they should be. My question for those of us who are in the older generation, what younger person are you investing in? Proverbs 13 and verse 20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Proverbs 27 and verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You or I cannot change everyone, but we can influence someone. You can be a believer of influence. It's like the story of the businessman Jack Eckerd. Tells of a man who was walking along the beach, and as he walked along the beach in the morning, he saw starfish on the beach drying out. And knowing that in time, thousands of the starfish that were washed up in the tide would die. So he would reach down and he'd pick up a starfish, starfish and throw it back into the ocean. And he'd take a few more steps and he would pick another one up and throw it into the ocean. As he was doing this, a man came along and he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to stay, save the starfish. And the man said to Jack Eckerd, as he laughed, why bother? It won't make any difference. The man took another step or two, reached down and picked up another starfish and threw it into the ocean. He said, it will make a difference to that one. As a church, we chose to invest some time and money in Zach. As a pastor, I chose to invest hours of time into Zach. <clears throat> Zach desired the experience of an internship here at Roaring Brook. What does the Bible say about our investment as a church, my investment as a pastor? and Zach's desire to have someone invest in his life. <clears throat> Let's take our Bibles and go to Exodus chapter 24. Exodus <clears throat> chapter 24. We find here the account <clears throat> of Moses and Joshua. A number of weeks ago, Zach had spoken... Exodus 32, here in chapter 24, soon after the Ten Commandments were given, God calls Moses up to the mountain. Notice what is said in the context, and I realize we're leaping into the context, we're looking at a variety of passages, not really explaining the context this morning, but I think I know the context. But in verse 13, 
Then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide. And Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you. Anyone involved in a dispute can come to them. And then we know that Moses and Joshua went up on the mountain and spent days in the mountain. And in Exodus 32, we know that they came back down. And if you go over to Exodus 32, as they were coming down from the mountain, in verse 17 of Exodus 32, when Joshua heard a noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there's a sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, it is not the sound of victory. It is not the sound of defeat. It is the sound of singing that I hear. <clears throat> we won't turn to Numbers 11 or Numbers 27 or Deuteronomy 31, but you'll find that Moses invested 40 years of his life in the Joshua. They came out of Egypt. Some three months after coming out of Egypt, we know Mount Sinai took place. And it was 40 years later, or about 40 years later, when they crossed the Jordan River and went into the Promised Land, and Joshua took over the reins of leadership. In Mark chapter 3, we find that Jesus, we won't read the passage, Mark 3, 13 through 15, that Jesus called 12 men to be with him. And they spent some three years together. They ate together, they traveled together, they taught together, they healed together. They argued, heard arguments together. They had feasts together, they slept together. Their life was poured, Jesus' life was poured into these 12 men. Let's take our Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. As Paul writes to the believers in Ephesus, he says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, <clears throat> that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now Paul specifically <clears throat> addresses fathers here, and he addresses children. What are children to do? Honor dad and mom. To obey dad and mom. What are fathers to do? Not to exasperate kids. But bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And how does this take place <clears throat> in our culture today? Some, over some 15 to 20 years. Just being together. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, we find that Paul speaks of Timothy as being his son in the Lord. Why? Paul invested time in Timothy. He instructed Timothy as to how to shepherd a church and so on. <clears throat> like Zach and I this summer. Zach, my son in the faith. Not that I led Zach to the Lord, but instrumental in helping him to be formed. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 2. We find <clears throat> that Paul... <coughs> says to Timothy, 
You then, my son, be strong in the Lord, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard from you heard me, and the things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Notice he says, entrust to reliable men. Timothy, take men from the church. Teach them so they in turn can teach. In Titus, the next book in the Bible, what does Titus say in chapter 2? Verse 1, you must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. Not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, and to be pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Older men teaching younger men. Older women teaching younger women. As you study Scripture, you'll find that God's pattern from the beginning of time with Adam and Eve to teach their children, to Moses, to Aaron, to the church age, I'm sorry, Moses and Joshua, to the church age, was for older to impact the younger. For parents to teach their children, <clears throat> that has not changed. As we influence others, <clears throat> Our being in terms of character, our walk with God, Christ and the Holy Spirit, and relationships, so that we have something to offer. Moses could say to Joshua, follow God as I follow him. Christ could say, here's how to walk with your father. A Paul saying to Timothy, here's how you walk with God. A dad saying to son, to daughter, here's how you walk with God. Look at my character. <clears throat> Look at my being. When Zach approached me, I think it was last fall, <clears throat> about a potential internship, I asked myself and then I asked Ruth Ann, what do I have to offer Zach? Do I have anything to offer him in terms of my being, my character, my walk with God? Looking back on the internship, I need to ask, did my being impact Zach for God's glory? As we think about impacting others, just the whole issue of relationships, we're not talking about a program. Moses didn't have a program to teach Joshua. Christ didn't have a program to teach the twelve. 
Paul didn't have a program to teach Timothy. Dads don't need a program to teach their children. It's a relationship. <clears throat> I'm not sure how many years ago <clears throat> I spoke at Zach's graduation from high school. And he has worked for Danny for quite a few years, and occasionally in working for Danny, I would see him at the shop and I would say hi and we'd talk briefly. When Danny turned 40, and they had a, actually had a birthday party for him, <clears throat> Zach was there, and uh, Zach and I talked about a number of things. He may not even remember that. And I, <clears throat> he made some statements, and I just ch kind of challenged him in some of his thoughts. And then last summer, we spent a couple weeks together at his request. What has been happening? The development of a relationship. As we think about impacting others, as you look at Moses, as you look at Jesus, as you look at Paul, you find the whole issue of just with in life. With in life. Zach and I spent time together on Thursdays and Fridays of summer, not every Thursday and Friday. We were just with each other. What do you think Moses and Joshua did all those 40 years? They were just with each other. Christ and the Twelve, they were just with each other. There's a lot caught that is not taught just by being with. And then the whole issue of observation. I remember one day in particular, Zach and I were involved in responding to a, a situation very, very difficult situation, very tense. And when we left, as we get in the car, I often would say, Zach, what do you think about you know, the visit or whatever? And I said, Zach, what do you think about that situation? And I could tell there was something going through Zach's mind as we were interacting with the situation because I glanced at him a couple of times and he just wasn't sure how to read them. And I said to him, as we were getting ready to part from that situation, anything you want to say, Zach? And he just shook his head, no. <clears throat> so as we're in the car, he just said, Pastor, I don't, you know, I don't know how you do that. How do you go in a tense situation like that and respond? He was observing. And I said, Zach, it's a matter of Christ being my life, sensitivity to the Spirit, moment by moment. You see, there's so much observed when we spend time with others. <clears throat> also, the issue of believing in, investing a life in. Moses invested his life in Joshua, Christ invested his life in the twelve. Paul invested his life in Timothy. Godly pastors investing their life in men because they believe in them. Zach will do well in the years to come. I believe in him. 
He'll have ups and downs. He'll have struggles, but I think he'll do well. The whole issue of mentoring, impacting younger, is teaching, formal and informal. I'd probably say more is informal than formal. Zach and I have had all kinds of discussions over the summer. We discuss books and topics while eating, traveling, after a funeral. We discuss the needs and the joys of our area. But teaching, formally and informally. And then here's how to live. There's more caught with how to live than there is taught. Can you see Joshua observing Moses dealing with a grumbling crowd of people the tenth time in three months? Just observing. Saying, here's how to live. Zach and I talked about being a husband. You say he's not married. One case he is someday. Being a father, counseling, preaching, visiting, and so on. And then also the issue of encouraging, comfort or confronting, rebuking, correcting, and training. Alfred Whitehead once said, and I quote, apart from blunt truth, our life sinking desperately amid the perfumes and, of hints and suggestions. End of quote. Solomon said, instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. Solomon also said, the wise in heart accepts commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. <clears throat> we need encouraging, confronting, rebuking, correcting, and training. I ask myself, where would I be today if someone that had not spoken truth into my life and I had not listened? Dan, you're double-minded. Pastor, you're hard to talk to. Pastor, you're demanding. Pastor, use the deceased's name in a funeral, even if you didn't know him well. Son, I only speak once, so listen well. Dan, most wise people don't ask you to listen. They want you to ask. Who will attend your funeral without looking at their watch? Because you invested your life in them. So we think about seeking to impact people. We think about Moses and Joshua. You think about Paul and Timothy. You think about Jesus and the Twelve and so on. Some thoughts as you consider these examples. Quality cannot override quantity. Over and over, parents say, do I spend quality time with my kids or quantity time with my kids? Yes. Why? Because you can't have quality without quantity. 
40 years for Joshua to be equipped. Three years for the 12 to be equipped. How many years for Timothy? We don't know. 15, 16, 17 years for a child to be equipped. Quality and quantity. You cannot plan teachable moments. With our children, a teachable moment may have come after school. It may have come when we're crawling in bed and we're exhausted and a knock comes in the door, hey mom, hey dad, can I talk to you? It may come while you're driving down the road. You can't plan teachable moments. Zach and I discussed Jude. We watched a sermon together and discussed some things afterwards, some teachable moments there. We discussed, after a hospital visit, teachable moments. Time with tend to impart wisdom. Time with tends to impart wisdom. Zach and I talked about pastoring, being a husband, how to treat your wife, fathering, dating, counseling, preaching, study of Scripture. Just by being with each other. Growing up in a farm, I learned a lot just by being with Dad. <clears throat> Wisdom is not, cannot be taught in a classroom. It demands being with wise people. You don't teach wisdom in a classroom. You don't teach skill in a classroom. You've got to be with wise people. That's why as we get older, we ought to have someone tag along with us. We ought to invest our life in someone so that they're with us. Whether it be kids or grandkids, or just someone that you know. Your heart may be broken when you invest your life in others. That's okay. Rather a broken heart than a heart that has become hardened. C.S. Lewis says, and I quote, Love anything in your heart will certainly be wrung, possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in a casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven where you can perfectly Be perfectly safe from all the dangers and troubles of love is hell. End of quote. Alan Emery of Service Master Industries once was driving Robert Lament, pastor of the First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, to a speaking engagement in Boston. As they drove along, Alan asked Dr. Lamont to describe his ministry. He spoke of his work in such a way that I felt he viewed himself as a spectator to what God had done, Alan recalled. 
I suggested that much of what had been accomplished must be because of his gifts and talents. In response to Alan's comments, Dr. Lamont replied, When I was a schoolboy, we would occasionally see a turtle on a fence post. And when we would see a turtle on a fence post, we knew someone put it there. He didn't get there by himself. This is how I see my life. I'm a turtle on a fence post. What an intriguing image, a turtle on a fence post. In many ways it describes Moses and Joshua, Jesus and the twelve, parents and children, Paul and Timothy, older men and older women. In my own life I was put on a fence post by my dad, by my mother, Earl Esch, an older man in my church when I was a boy and a teenager. Norman Moyer, my pastor when I was a kid and a teenager. My older brother Orville, who I just observed in terms of work and business and relationships. Bob Apple, my ag teacher in high school, for four years, two periods every day. We traveled a lot together. We went to contests together. <clears throat> Bruce, Bruce Lackey, a Bible prophet, Tennessee Temple, who said very little to me, but told me I was a double-minded young man. Nolan Roach, an older pastor who invested two years of his life in me while in college. A Gordon Lamoureux, an utterly man in this church that had tons of wisdom if you just ask and would listen. What person are you helping to be placed on a fence post? Who helped you to be placed on a fence post? Reflect on those items as we sing together. As Travis comes, be thou my vision. <clears throat>